Hello and welcome to Is It Me or Is It Them? This is a podcast for those of us who want to take responsibility for our half of our relationships and how we show up in our lives, but are tired of trying to clean up the mess on other people's side of the yard. This is for you if you want to be able to set boundaries without feeling like you're bulldozing anyone, and if you want harmony but are tired of sacrificing yourself to get it. I'm April Boyd, and I'm a psychotherapist and couples counselor. And I'm curious if you have ever struggled with your relationship with your mother-in-law. And maybe it's not a mother-in-law, but there's somebody in your family or in your partner's family who just won't take no for an answer who seems to try to get their own way no matter what, and doesn't really seem to care how their wants or needs or expectations impact you and your partner. If any of that feels familiar to you, this episode is for you. I'm going to be sharing with you uh, parts of some of the work that I did with a client who was dealing with a really difficult situation with her mother, but I think a lot of us can really relate to it. And I did some strategies and some ideas with her that helped her and her partner to get out from under her mother-in-law's thumb. So what I'm going to be sharing with you is a few things that you need to understand to be able to make this work successfully and some ideas that are going to help you to bring more respect more understanding, and better boundaries and freedom into your relationship, whether that's with a controlling personality that you might be facing on your partner's side of the family or even from your own. But what I'm specifically talking about is really the relationship with a mother-in-law that came up as I was talking to one woman who I was working with in my sessions a while back. I'm going to call this person Emily. So Emily's mother-in-law was truly a force to be reckoned with. She was a very difficult personality. She had super high expectations, both of Emily and of Emily's husband. And one of the things that was a major source of tension was that the mother-in-law wanted to come over Every weekend, every single weekend. Now, both Emily and her partner had full-time demanding jobs. And on top of that, they were parenting young kids. Their lives were already really full and really busy. And on top of that, the idea of listening to her mother make passive-aggressive comments about her cooking or her parenting or the cleanliness of her home was not exactly Emily's idea of a relaxing day off. So as we dug into it, it became really clear that Emily had been trying so hard to not rock the boat and all of that built-up tension and stuffed-down emotion was starting to create some serious waves, both for her own emotional well-being, as she was just carrying around this constant stress and frustration, as well as some waves within her relationship with her partner. 
She was working really hard to try to keep the peace and find a way to make this dynamic work, but it just wasn't really working well at all. Whatever they seemed to do for his parents, it was not enough. Despite seeing them nearly every single weekend, her mother-in-law would still complain about not feeling included enough in their lives. So one of the things I supported Emily in doing was being able to take a step back and get much more clear about the situation that she was actually dealing with. So one of the things that, that we realized as we worked through this was that Emily had been trying to fill a bucket that had holes in it. She'd been trying so hard to be flexible, be forgiving, be tolerant, that, and, and essentially trying to crack this unbreakable code of what would create a little bit more breathing room in this relationship, that she overlooked this one critical factor that was really clear to me from the outside looking in. Emily was dealing with a woman who had a hole in her bucket. What that meant was, no matter what Emily did or what she gave, it never was enough to make an impact. The problem wasn't that Emily was being nice enough, kind enough, or generous enough. It was just that for this woman, nothing was going to feel like enough. She was never satisfied. If they spent the whole day Saturday together, they'd want to come back over on Sunday. If they spent the afternoon cuddling and playing with their kids, they wanted to be able to take them over to their house for a sleepover. It just became so exhausting. And what Emily was able to realize that this really wasn't about her, that essentially it was just the setup for failure, this task that she was trying to do that she was never going to be able to live up to, when she was able to realize that this really was not about her shortcomings or her limitations or her behaviors, then she was able to really step into a very different way of responding and dealing with this dynamic with her mother-in-law. She took this pressure off of her own shoulders that had been really weighing on her that somehow she had to figure out a way to be able to appease this woman's endless need. And it, it kind of made a lot of sense that this would be her go-to thought and reaction because she was a super high performer, a high achiever, a really smart and driven woman. And so she was used to be able being able to solve problems. She was used to being able to kind of crack the code that would make things more amicable or easier for everybody involved. And in this case, all of her attempts really ended up just kind of feeding this cycle of trying to fill in the bucket and the bucket emptying out, trying to fill the bucket and the bucket emptying out. Whatever she offered would never be enough to make her mother-in-law happy simply because her mother-in-law was committed to being unhappy. And how could she possibly change that for her? It kind of came down to this new position of, yes, you get to have a spot at my table, but no, 
you don't get to have all the spots at the table. There needs to be room for other people to exist here too. So when she came to realize that what she was dealing with was totally incompatible needs and expectations, she was able to give herself permission to step away from this goal of trying to make her mother-in-law happy and trying to make real peace there and starting to interact with her as more of an equal woman. So when she started doing this, a few things started to change in her behaviors. She stopped feeling the need to text her mother-in-law back right away. She stopped feeling the need to justify and explain and soothe, you know, if they were asking for a bit of a break in some way or form. She stopped a lot of the back and forth conversations that used to happen almost every day with her mother-in-law. And this strategy of removing herself from the goal of trying to appease this woman worked so well that her mother-in-law actually stopped texting her almost entirely. And how incredibly peaceful and more blissful is that, that she was now able to spend a day at work or spend an evening at home with getting blasted with this onslaught of messages and passive-aggressive, guilt-provoking complaints or requests for more and more and more of her time and energy and attention. So here's what I want to pause and take note of. Before we start demonizing or, you know, getting our backs really up about the mother-in-law that you might be thinking of, or even this one I'm describing in this situation, I want to really highlight that it is very, very possible that her mother-in-law probably had no real understanding of what she was setting her kids up to deal with. Who knows what it was in her life that had shaped her into feeling so desperate, so needy, so hungry for care and attention and love, and so frantic to receive something that she couldn't even actually notice what was being offered to her. She could not fully even receive the kindness, the care, the inclusion, that her son and his wife were continually trying to make available to her. So one of the things that I encouraged Emily to do was to step back and just notice her mother-in-law's woundedness. To just step back and maybe just kind of consider or entertain the thought of what could be making somebody act so fearful and needy and blocked from receiving? What would make somebody feel like they somehow could just never be getting enough love or enough care? And I know this one actually really challenges a lot of people when I encourage them to step back and just consider the human experience of woundedness that the other person quite possibly is bringing into this dynamic. And I think this gets us really worried because we're, you know, I think we often villainize someone and set them up as this monster in our mind because then and only then 
Do we give ourselves permission to protect ourselves from that person and their negativity? But here's what I want you to know. You can be really compassionate and protect yourself at the same time. I'm going to say this one more time so you can really take it in. You can be compassionate and protect yourself at the same time. You can let yourself step back and just consider the very likely possibility that this person in your life who is driving you crazy might be acting that way because of really horrible, sad, or tragic reasons. And you can notice that and not make yourself be the person in their life that now has to pay the price for whatever it was it went through, they went through that got them into this way of acting and behaving now. Just because you can be compassionate to what might be causing somebody's issues doesn't mean that you have to just excuse their behavior or just give them what they want all the time. So just notice that you can do both of those things. And when we're able to be a bit more compassionate to the person, it makes it easier for us to then step a little bit closer with just a more gentle but also very firm stance. We take away some of our own reactivity and own judgment and fear that might be adding to some of the tension and frustration that is happening. The other thing that happens when we move through this, these dynamics between in-laws, is I think we often don't really acknowledge enough in our society how very vulnerable and difficult the role of being a daughter-in-law really is. So when we think about, you know, some of this kind of typical advice of always just speak up and always just, you know, try to resolve the issue, that does make a lot of sense. But the piece that sometimes is omitted from that is that not all people are on the same footing here. Not everybody has equal power and equal stability in that family dynamic. So here's what we know. We know that when somebody marries into or partners into somebody's uh, an existing family structure, by nature of somebody else entering into that circle, the dynamic shifts. It inevitably, inevitably has to shift because any new introduction to a system changes a system, right? You know this from really any science class you've ever taken. That's just the basic fact of it. And so if, let's say, the mother-in-law resists that change and basically kind of takes on the attitude that this person entering the circle is now like just a guest or just an addition and somehow just expects that person to adapt to and take on all of the existing traditions, all of the existing family rituals and norms and expectations, there's going to be a lot of problems because that is literally impossible. By nature of a new person entering the system, the system must change. And so instead, the mother-in-law basically has to, and the new family basically has to allow for some flexibility and some merging of both the new traditions and the old. 
new ways of doing things, and the old. And it's a blending of that that then can create a really good, harmonious relationship, ideally even a really close and supportive and mutually beneficial relationship. But if the mother-in-law resists that and basically kind of sees the person coming into that as a bit of a threat, which sometimes happens, then there's going to be a lot of tension and a lot of problems. And this is the other thing about in-law relationships that kind of gets talked about, but at the same time is not fully acknowledged. In many, many cases, what we witness is that there actually is a bit of a turf war that unfolds. And nobody would want to call it that, right? If you were to kind of, if I were to ask, you know, a mother-in-law if there's a turf war happening, she would say, no, of course not. I completely support my son and his relationship. And I want him to, you know, have a great partner and live a good life. But oftentimes if we were to really look at her behaviors, there's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of inflexibility. I'm thinking of some previous um, mother-in-law clients that I've worked with who, you know, were really stuck in this place of wanting to be kind and loving and approachable and open. But at the same time, we're really acting from a place of great fear. And Again, for reasons that have to do with, you know, each person's kind of individual story, what we sometimes witness is that this turf war unfolds basically because each person is afraid of loss. The mother-in-law in this scenario is often afraid that these new traditions, these new desires, these new schedules of the wife or partner take something away from her. And that's actually probably true, right? Because when we think back to that flexible family dynamic, of course, there's going to be some things that need to change and adjust and even some things that maybe even need to stop happening because it doesn't actually work for the new family that's been created alongside the original existing family. And so... When we get into this place, again, we can access a little bit more compassion that even though it's super frustrating, super annoying, a little bit dysfunctional, it's also kind of just a little bit raw and human messiness that sometimes without even realizing what they're doing, people are acting out from this place of great fear. And so what sometimes happens is they maintain this stance almost verbally or intellectually. You know, if you were to ask them, they would say, no, no, of course I support my partner, my son's relationship. But then they're actually doing all of these things that cause fights between the partner and her son because they're not really allowing space for them to make their own rituals and traditions and norms. So, One of the things that becomes really important in this, and this is a little bit tricky and a little bit of a longer term goal, this is where we have to kind of tap into some patience and the idea that these relationships are marathons, right? This is not a short sprint scenario. These are relationships that 
you know, you're going to have years and years to kind of build and tend to and rebalance as needed. So you can give yourself a little bit of grace from that sometimes sense of panic or urgency that you have to like work it out right this second. But when we think about it this way, you're actually having to help restructure a really deep and long, long history of this dynamic. And so what we want to do is help your partner to come out of this place of feeling like he or she is caught in the middle between the wife and the mother-in-law, which is often what I hear from um, guys a lot in my practice is that they feel like they're stuck in the middle. And instead, you need to really reassure them that joining you Aligning a little bit more with you, working a bit more as a team with you does not mean that they're going to have to cut off contact or somehow lose their relationship with their mother-in-law. A lot of people without really realizing it kind of get stuck in that fear that it's either or and that somehow kind of tell themselves that that's, you know, the worst case scenario of how that could play out. And of course, they don't want to do that. So what we see is a lot of partners take on the role of basically being a peacekeeper or a mediator. And none of those things are useful, right? None of those things are actually helpful. In fact, what they often do is they just prolong the suffering and the uh, dysfunctional dynamics for everybody involved. So the partner has to start to learn that it is safe to be able to align alongside their partner. And that's not going to mean that they lose a relationship with their family of origin. So the message that we really need to be sending is you need to work with me as a team and I will help you maintain and create a better relationship with your family. That is really the position that we want to take on. I want to help you create a better relationship with our family. The other thing that you can do is start to take some of the pressure off of these moments when it feels like they have to choose. So when I think back to Emily, one of the strategies that we started doing, because her partner was not quite ready to, um, at that point in time, risk a whole lot of conflict with his mom, which is actually totally understandable. When you think back to, you know, when you were a kid, having your parents be mad at you is like the worst thing ever. Even if you were raised in the kindest, gentlest household, having your parents mad at you is a really big deal. So even though we're all adults now, the reality is at just kind of a core level, we still carry the idea of our parents being mad at us as kind of a threat to our own system and our own well-being, right? And so this is where you see people kind of illogically still acting like kids with their parents because these dynamics have been around their whole lives. So one of the strategies that we started doing was Emily started saying to her partner, I know your mom wants to see you and the kids this weekend. And so how about you go without me? And then what she would do instead is she would actually have a really nice day off. 
Sometimes she'd go and see a friend. Sometimes she'd stay home and enjoy cleaning her house or binge watching on her favorite show. She basically gave herself permission to stop trying to participate in this losing game of making her mother-in-law happy and started focusing on how does she make herself happy. Now, this took a bit of reassurance because at first her partner was still a little bit worried, as I've heard many, many times, that she was telling him to go, but he'd pay a price for it later. There was this guilt that would come up that he would feel bad because on some level he kind of knew, he obviously knew, that his mother was being a bit unreasonable and a bit over-demanding, and of course that was impacting him and his wife. And so he was a bit conflicted. And what she did was really lovingly and strongly relieve that pressure from him, removed it from his shoulders, and gave him full blessing to go do what you need to do. I will not stop you, cause a fight, cause a fuss. This does not have to turn into a great big conversation. If you feel like you need to go and see your mom this weekend, go see her. I'll enjoy my day and we'll meet up for dinner after. And then the really neat thing was what started to happen now that this pressure was removed off of his shoulders, it freed him up to be able to check in on his own needs, his own impact of his mom's behaviors, and he started taking his own initiative to put boundaries in place. Now that he was no longer caught in the middle between his wife and his mom, he could start to step into a different position. And so this is the question that I want you to just consider because I think it's also totally fine for us to admit there's often times when your partner's family are wanting to get together It's not necessarily you that they're wanting to see. They're wanting to see the grandkids if you have some. They're wanting to see their son or daughter. They're not necessarily wanting to see their partner with the same amount of desire. And that is not personal. That's totally just the very normal and natural dynamic. And there's something really great about allowing people to maintain their own relationships with their family with a bit of space so that there is kind of room for that one-to-one relationship that every relationship needs from time to time. So just check in and see where can you give yourself permission to opt out from some of the scenarios that you know might cause you stress or be a negative or upsetting experience for you or just maybe are draining and don't fill your cup. Where can you give yourself permission to opt out? kindly and lovingly and send your partner off with a lot of permission and a lot of love and a lot of reassurance and where can you start to step out of the goal the nonsensical you know but inevitable kind of goal that we realize until we know better of trying so hard to make people happy that don't necessarily want to be happy Where can you stop fading into that relationship dynamic that you've potentially unknowingly been continuing to co-create with them just by continuing to do this dance of trying so hard to appease them and make them happy? Where can you start to reclaim 
some of your own energy and refocus on your own needs and your own family's well-being. So I would love to hear what stood out for you most today, what hit home, and if you know somebody who would really benefit from listening to this episode today, I would love it if you shared it with them. That would mean the world to me. I also want to remind you, this is not an episode that you want to share with your mother-in-law to passive-aggressively prove that you were right or prove that she needs to back off. But if you have a friend or someone in your life that, you know, is struggling with a similar situation, I would love it if you sent this to them and help make that easier for them too. So that's it for me for today. I will see you next time. And thanks so much for being here with me. Take care.